brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. We stay the course! We are dead! We are all dead! We're supposed to make the world a better place. What happened? I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! I know Kung Fu. You either die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! This whole thing is insane! This whole thing is insane! 300 years ago, you'd have been burned at the stake. What do all men of power want? More power. This is now the United States of Zombieland. This whole thing is insane! Man is evil, capable of nothing but destruction! Everybody is stuck with the things that they're not proud of. More power. Welcome to the desert. Of the real. More power. There can be only one. Are you a God-fearing man, Senator? You're such a strange phrase. I've always thought of God as a teacher, as a bringer of light, wisdom, and understanding. You see, I think what you really are afraid of is me. Happy hair season. Welcome to the desert of the real. Heresy shouldn't be this much fun, but it just is. It just is. Even in a world of nipples for men and birdie num-num and warm leatherettes. Welcome to the audio version of Aeon Byte Live, episode 24. As always, raw, uncensored, and unfiltered. Still deeply weird. All just like the truth you've been looking for across all your existences. Supercharged by stellar audience participation. On this episode, we took the pulse of modern paganism. We were joined by two rising stars in the pagan community. Hosts of the super cool podcast, The Cosmic Keys. That is Scarlet Ravenswood and Dan Shukis. As the Abrahamic dispensations falter in the West, ancient pagan faiths are becoming increasingly popular. How are they different from their original forms? How do they manifest with modern audiences and in the digital revolution? What are some of the negative aspects or dark sides of modern paganism? From sacrificing to the gods, to politics and covens, from cool pagan flicks to the purpose of magic, we get a state of the union of paganism today. As a bonus for AB Prime members and patrons, I will include an interview with Mark Townsend, author of the Gospel of Falling Down. 
Mark was once an Anglican priest who was driven away by the church for embracing a pagan nature. Eventually finding grace with all gods and adopting a fusion of Christianity and paganism. I think you'll see how it relates to this AB Live episode, and it's a very inspirational story to boot. Thanks for those of you who support on a weekly basis. Please continue to help me grow this Red Pill Cafeteria. We need Gnosis more than ever, and we've only just begun reaching those who need to be reached to wake up. You won't find this high-quality Gnostic and Hermetic wisdom, or guess and their unique insights, anywhere else on the internets. But enough of my short drivel. Led us to the interview with Scarlet and Dan. Oh, first, how about a listener-provided song? Take it away, Sean, my man. It's one and two and three is birdie num-nums. With warm leatherettes and hay is nipples for men. Sing it again. It's birdie, birdie num-nums. With warm leatherettes his nipples for men, nipples for men, I'll say it again, birdie num-nums. Warm leatherettes and nipples for men. Miguel, what did you mean when you said birdie num-nums? Birdie num-nums, warm leatherettes and nipples for men, nipples for men. Welcome everybody to Aeon Bite Live episode 24. This is where, as always, we do the live show. And uh, today we will be talking about modern paganism. Of course, I should repeat myself as I will because people slowly like to tune in, join the chat, and so forth. But today, as always, it's a special show. And we are joined by the two hosts of a podcast that I follow and I enjoy and really keeps me on the cutting edge of non-Abrahamic dispensations, as well as everything that's going on with modern magic and so forth. Cutting edge of good stuff, and that's the Cosmic Keys podcast. Highly recommended. And again, I will repeat it. It will be on our show notes. And as always, this is live. It will be on YouTube too, but I will also put it out on iTunes, Spotify, and all those wonderful podcatchers and internet radios out there in a couple of days. And I'll have, of course, all the information on the show notes. Then again, I will repeat it. But uh, so with us today, the hosts of the Cosmic Keys podcast, we've got Scarlett Ravenswood. Thanks for joining us, Scarlett. It's, it's truly a, pl- a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on today. I'm excited to talk to you guys. We are too. And we've got Dan. And I think I'm forgetting how to say your last name once again. And I apologize. Is it Shukas? Yeah, Shukas. Shukas. All right. Well, Dan, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having us, Miguel and Vance. We're really excited. Excited too. And yes, as Dan just said, we've got Vance the Moon Dog and his backgrounds. How are you doing, Vance, tonight? Not too bad for a um, non-Abrahamic, Abrahamic, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the question I always like to I always wonder if somebody comes and asks me, what are you? 
And if they say, are you a Christian? I would say, yes. Are you a pagan? Yes. Are you Jewish? <laughs> yeah. Are you a humanist? Yes. I am everything. Because uh, but why not? What about you, Vince? Is anybody come and ask you, what are you? What do you answer? No, nah, they don't care. But I'm, I say <laughs> I'm a Christian. I say I'm a mystic. I say I'm a diagnostic. Because a I, diagnostic? I, yeah, because I'm unsure of the existence of two gods. No. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. But well, I'm a Gnostic. I say that, too. There you go. Good deal. Well, um, as people are starting to go into the chat room and filter in, let's talk about uh, how you guys got started, Dan and Scarlett. We'll start with you, Scarlett. Tell us about your background and how you decided to pivot towards paganism. Yeah, so I was pretty much raised non-religious for the most part. I mean, I guess I'm Episcopalian, like I was baptized and all that kind of stuff, but Really, my parents didn't take me to church much. We were the kind of family that we only went to church when the grandparents were visiting. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, I pretty much grew up in a very open um, household, open to other cultures, other religions. And from a young age, I was always fascinated by um, ancient civilizations, specifically ancient Egypt, starting with that, but then other, you know, cultures around the world and history and stuff like that. So eventually... I got introduced to, I guess, Wicca first when I was a young teen. Um, at that time, there was a lot of popular stuff in media, like the movies, The Craft and Practical Magic. So it was kind of like big movement that was attracting a lot of people. So I started, you know, with those movies, but then I found my um, bookshelf at Barnes & Noble. <laughs> and pretty much everyone who's around my age who um, became Wiccan or pagan has a similar story where, you know, we find out from the stuff from pop culture and then we sneak into Barnes and Noble and we like start buying books from like the one bookcase. It's always like the one metaphysical, you know, bookcase there. And so from that point, I started reading about topics like Wicca and um, more in general paganism. And I, you know, discovered the idea of like, oh, maybe there could be like a goddess too, or maybe multiple gods, multiple goddesses. And I was just like immediately drawn to it like a moth to the flame. So um, that's kind of where it all started. And I've been on this pagan path really since then. Mm -hmm. And uh, in your journey, obviously, you you went into it. You just gave us the reasons. Have you had any? Those are my dogs barking. Sorry, I have more than one dog. Uh, did you have any experiences, mystical experience that might have supported you or reinforced the idea you were on the right path of uh, paganism? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I did see a ghost when I was younger, <laughs> like when I was around 12. Um, I grew up in a very old home in upstate New York. Um, so, you know, I was always interested in the paranormal. And um, when I started learning about um, Wicca and paganism, I convinced, you know, some of my friends at the time to, you know, get into it as well. So I was kind of like running my own little mini coven at like 14. <laughs> Um, trying out spells and and I was also doing tarot um, too a little bit I got my first tarot deck around that age too so I was starting to learn a bit about tarot getting used to the concept of archetypes so there was a lot of stuff going on but definitely my experiences with tarot my experiences with 
um, spell work to a certain extent too, definitely made me um, believe that there is at least something going on, <laughs> even if I didn't have it all figured out then and I still don't have it all figured out now. But it definitely gave me the feeling that I was on the right path. We're all working out things. And you mentioned the goddess. Is that something that attracted you to paganism? The idea that there was a, a divine feminine that you could relate to as, as a woman? Yeah, yeah. Especially, I think, um, when you're a kid and you're learning about religion in school at a very young age. I mean, you learn about you know, the main Abrahamic religions where women tend to have a more minor role. Um, and you don't really learn too much about the um, pre-Abrahamic religions. So you don't really get introduced to the concept of goddesses other than really studying Greek mythology, like in middle school. And I was always fascinated by Greek mythology. Um, so when I realized that people were actually, you know, connecting spiritually to the sacred feminine, and that it was this, you know, big concept that was really empowering for a 13 year old girl who's going through a lot of like bodily changes, and, like doesn't know how she feels about her body and her role in life to come up with the concept like, oh, there could be a goddess too. And maybe the sacred feminine, the sacred masculine should be in balance. You know, so all of those ideas really blew my mind at that age. And I think probably most young girls um, who, you know, come to those ideas or start looking up paganism or Wicca or sacred feminine, it really, you know, kind of transforms them in a way. Yeah, I, I can understand in the statistics say it. I think in millennials, paganism and Wicca is just shooting up when it comes to popularity. So it is uh, feeding a role or uh, quenching a thirst or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. So Dan, uh, let's go to you. Uh, tell us about your background and how did you evolve or pivot into paganism? Yeah, well, so I was raised Catholic. Um, I went to Catholic grade school in the Chicago suburbs and then public high school. Um, and when I was younger, I was kind of like good at being Catholic. Cause I sort of like, I, don't, I, I just am naturally spiritual. And from the beginning, I didn't really have a big issue with it. Um, that was like in the nineties. And then as I became a teenager and, you know, you get into the rebellious phases and stuff. Um, I'd say like the spiritual shifts, for me occurred basically through psychedelics um, in my teen years that really changed my point of view. And it didn't really like discard or discount Catholicism or Christianity, but it definitely made it way more like universal and stuff. Um, and then when I was in college, I had a pretty rough injury that when, when I was snowboarding, um, I actually broke three vertebrae in my neck and had kind of like a rough traumatic um, recovery process that opened a lot of spiritual insights to me. And then um, I'd say, you know, now that I'm more into, well, I practice astrology and I follow a lot of different esoteric uh belief systems including gnosticism and i've been listening to your show for like years um but a big shift happened in college when i discovered manly p hall um it was sort of like a crazy experience where like a book literally kind of fell off the shelf and that was the book the secret teaching of all ages 
And if, if anyone's familiar with that book, it's, it's like a lot of um, hermeticism, Kabbalah, astrology, paganism, and ancient Egyptian stuff. And that went, I mean, like the experience of first dipping my toes into those waters was like, this is, this is it. This is my thing. This is my stuff. So since then, um, I don't, I don't really claim the, the pagan label. I don't really own the pagan label, but I'm definitely like pagan adjacent. Like, um, nature is extremely important to my like, uh, peace of mind. And I find a lot of stuff, a lo- like a lot of stuff within paganism. I definitely resonate with, but I never really, um, uh, like in the way that Scarlet has, I never really connected with the pagan community or um, those sort of neo-pagan belief systems, but anything esoteric, occult, woo-woo, I'm in pretty much. You're a heretic. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's a great word for me. (laughs) Ask my Catholic school teachers. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I remember those Sunday schools and everything else. And so the question would be for you, Scarlet, if somebody asks you, what is paganism? How did you answer? I mean, like, for example, on your YouTube channel recently, you had a video, is Shinto paganism? Is paganism just basically non-Abrahamic uh, religions? Or what do you tell people? Yeah, I mean, that's part of the problem is it's almost impossible to define because paganism is such a huge umbrella term. Um, so, yeah, on the one hand, I think you can define it as something that's non-Abrahamic. Um, I think you can also define it as something um, that really reveres nature to a much larger extent than um, some other religions. So nature is a huge component. Um, you can define it as some people might define it just as like the older religions, so the pre-Abrahamic religions. Whereas in some people might go ahead and include things like Hinduism or Shinto and some might not. So it kind of depends on what you feel comfortable with. Um, me personally, I just kind of define it as like a, um, a spiritual connection to nature and looking towards the pre-Abrahamic religions for spiritual wisdom and guidance and mm-hmm. connection. So that's how I define it. But every pagan is going to have their own rule book because there are no rules. <laughs> so um, that's part of the problem. That's also a big blessing because we kind of get to decide what we connect with. Yeah, it's kind of like a Neo in the Matrix, a world without rules, boundaries without controls, where everything's possible. So mm-hmm. that's always a good thing until it's not, uh, which is a... a topic we'll get into very soon about the issues with paganism because there's issues with every movement there is i mean we are humans we have a great ability to screw things up majorly good things as they're going it's it's in our nature and for the audience again this is a on bite live for those of you who have just joined or are joining we've got dan and scarlet ravenswood the hosts of Cosmic Keys podcast joining us tonight talking about paganism. If you have a question, please put it in the chat. Uh, Vance likes a lot of question marks and we'll try to take them. If you give us a donation through the, I already forgot the name of it, the hot chats or whatever it's called. Super chat. 
<laughs> yes, super chats, whatever you're called, drawing a blank. We will put you at the top of the queue. And again, one more time, we will. this show will be on YouTube right after, and I will have the audio version and all the podcast providers that we have. And for members and patrons, I usually put a nice little bonus, which I will let you know after this show. So we shall continue. So we were talking about the problems with uh, paganism. And I think, why don't we get to that? I mean, I don't think it's a problem. Vance and I spend quite a, a long, t a lot of time talking and sometimes making fun of Gnostic movements and Gnosticism itself, because if you can't laugh at yourself, well, then uh, the Demiurge will laugh at you, as we like to say. So there's nothing wrong with uh, seeing what the issues are. And in fact, the Scarlet you recently put out, I thought was a very brave video where you just went out and you said, yeah. all right, these are the issues I see today with paganism. And as far as I can tell, you have not been canceled cultured by anybody. So you survived. But well, I think it's not yet. I put it out on like Tuesday. So there's still time. <laughs> the pitchforks will still can come. Yeah, it won't be Christian pitchforks. It might be pagan pitchforks. Right. But, so what would you say is... Uh, I, again, I know the reasons. I wrote them down. I watched the video. What would you say are a couple of your main issues with the pagan movement? Yeah, so I think probably the one thing that I bring up that I, most people can kind of wrap their head around is um, the need to change to match the new times that we live in. Um, and one of the things that really inspired me creating this video, talking about the pagan community, and the issues I see in it is because I've been hearing all these news stories lately at some of the um, larger pagan institutions and larger events and larger websites are now ending or no longer financially viable. So you have this big shift happening and there's this huge dichotomy because on the one hand, all these old institutions and large events that people traveled all the way around to see people seem to no longer be either interested in what they are providing or no longer able or willing to spend the funds to participate in that. But at the same time, you have this huge resurgence in paganism and Wicca online and within social media. So there's clearly, you know, so many new people who are coming into paganism and really excited to learn more about it. So there's this disconnect on what the community is currently offering in terms of real world experiences, I guess you could say, in real life events and meetups and conventions and even covens, and then what the people are really wanting or what they're expecting. Um, so there's this big kind of shift that's happening. And on the one hand, I can see how that's very frustrating for a lot of the people that have been in the pagan movement for a long time, um, especially people who have gone through certain lineages and been initiated. And then they look at all these younger pagans and it's like, I have zero interest in being initiated. So, of course, there are still, you know, a lot of gardenarians, you know, there are still initiatory systems in place. But at least what I've been seeing and from the people that have been connecting with me, they're pretty much most of them are very solitary and not necessarily interested in joining a system from the past, past but more interested in kind of starting their own. Um, so, yeah, there's a big shift going on. And I think the whole community as a whole is trying to figure out 
how do we embrace the positives that technology is offering us um, without alienating the people who are, you know, have been strong leaders in the community? So how do we kind of figure that out? And then at the same time, kind of how do we move forward? Like, and this is so hard, like we were talking about before, how do you define paganism? Part of the issue is we can't even agree on any points. <laughs> so that makes it difficult to stand for anything. Uh, when he, when everyone has such differing opinions and views on what paganism means for them. So that was one of the big issues I, I brought up in the video is kind of we really need to figure out how to move it forward to the 21st century and um, connect with people and the paganism that they're wanting in their own lives. Good deal. And, of course, you don't have a pope, a pip of paganism. So, again, right. it's going to be very fluid, very, uh, I guess, anarchist. But, uh, of course, anarchist systems do work, like Alcoholics Anonymous and secret societies. It can work as just uh, growing pains and so forth. And what about you, Dan? Do you have any issues with the pagan community, anything you see that you might want to bring up? I mean, sometimes it's important. You know, so uh, the Scarlett and I, you know, as co-hosts of the show, we're always trying to um, connect with the other, the other people in the Chicago area. We're trying to find the others. And it, it's one of those things that takes a lot of work. Um, you know, I'm sort of my pro I, I guess my problem with paganism in, in a way is um, the in general, just like the, the way that Wicca and some of the, these like 20th century neo-pagan movements um, were sort of created um, like, like we, we they treat it like it's like this really ancient lineage, but really it was sort of like a hodgepodge of ideas thrown together in the 1950s. Was it whenever mm -hmm. Gerald Gardner was around? Um, and like and me as somebody who's trying to read texts from like the BC years or whatever, I'm sort of like, wait, I, I, I'm down with it and everything, but it's a little bit more of my style to just like dive into esoteric topics and, and come to a conclusion on my own. However, you know, the net, the community factor, the network factor um, the in, the uh, in real life interactions that you can get by being a part of a Wiccan community or a coven or anything is really valuable. And like, I would hang with Wiccans or pagans or, you know, I would, I would go to events and stuff if, if I found the right group of people. So I think the good thing about it is that they do have the community aspect down. Um, they value like group spiritual experiences like you know because there is something to group activity and um there's power in groups which is even you know like an argument for why it's still valuable to go to church you know or some type of weekly service so i admire the community factor the organizational organizational factor but like a good heretic i'm like I don't want to be tied down to it, but or anything. So, I guess that's my point. No, communities are great for creating those egregores. So, uh, I certainly love the community spirit. I personally always had problems 
connecting spiritually in Chicago with other groups or just having uh, spirituality in general. Since I've moved, my channels have opened. I'm not saying Chicago isn't spiritual, but I think especially when I used to go ghost hunting there down, you know, you go downtown where Al Capone and stuff. I work for a company yeah. that we give ghost <laughs> tours and hunt and have seances and all that. But Chicago has just so much dark energy because of all the yeah. suffering and death and uh, materialism there. Have you, Dan, have you ever experienced that while you're in Chicago or is it just me? No, I definitely experienced that in Chicago. I mean, um, I grew up here. I see this like I have like a, a love hate. I have a major love hate thing with Chicago. Um, it's like, oh, yeah, there is that like the archetype of Chicago is literally like a Tommy gun, like blasting somebody to death. And it still exists today. Like and so I think that's part of the spirit of place here. But there's all, I also I also think Chicago has this magic. Like uh, I think of the World's Fair. I think of like the neoclassical architecture. I think of the museums, and there's this like hell not Hellenistic, but there's this like neoclassical or like you know old school like Greek columns everywhere. Like the stuff along the lake, Lakeshore Drive, and I'm like that like lights my fire. Um, so it's definitely a love hate thing. And I kind of, I'm on the far North side now, more in like Rogers park, Evanston and Lake Michigan kind of, um, keeps me sane in a lot of ways too. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a heavy energy here that might've been here from the start, especially considering that the city was like built on top of a swamp, like swamp energy is like this is coming from me after living in new Orleans, like swamp energy is like heavy and aggressive and abrasive. Um, so there is some magic here as far as connecting with other uh, people locally. It is really hard too. like the two of us are constantly struggling with that. And I have a problem whenever I'm in a big group of pagans or witches or whatever, I get like, drained and exhausted and freaked out and i'm like we gotta go we got i don't know what's going on i'm feeling something weird and i don't know if that's just when like a bunch of like uh really when really weird witchy weird kind of magical folks are all in one room it's really intense so it i i we both have struggled with it too and that's why having a podcast is fun because you're not limited by geography at all yeah that's true and uh yeah, Rogers Park is awesome. I, I think uh, that's a place I love the energy, and it's one of those places you could be walking down the street and you'll see an Orthodox Jew walking by, a Muslim mullah. You'll see, you know, it's a yeah. very multicultural. So Rogers Park has great energy, great food. Uh, yeah, move out here, Dan, to the country where I am. Of course, the food's terrible, and it's all Lutheran churches. I don't know. No, I I know where you live, and I love <laughs> that area. I'm super jealous it's beautiful and the energy is great and again it's since moving here a year it really has opened my channels of communication even in chicago i could not barely fill a, a dream journal now every day i'm waking up and i'm like oh my god the symbols and everything so uh but to each his own you never know what about you scarlett what has been your experience with the energy in chicago yeah like dan i have definitely a love-hate relationship with Chicago. So 
I live on the north side, so it's kind of, um, you know, near Rogers Park. Uh, it's, and I like this area. I am kind of close to the lake, and I feel like I'm the type of person where I will go crazy if I don't get, like, my daily walks in nature. So that's very important to me. Um, so on the one hand, I think there is a lot of beauty to Chicago, especially what Dan was saying about the architecture here. I mean, Chicago, I think, is the first place to create a skyscraper, and our skyscrapers in our downtown is very beautiful, and our lakefront is very beautiful. But at the same time, it is very harsh, um, and the cold weather definitely does not help that. I mean, we're probably going to get several polar vortex uh -huh. to look forward to this winter, and it seems every winter it's kind of getting worse. Um, so that is really difficult, kind of the harshness of the weather in winter. And then, yeah, also the kind of the harshness of the, the history here. Um, it has a violent past. It has a violent present. It will probably have a violent future. Um, so at the same time, it is kind of fun because we have all that history and I'm a huge history buff. So even like with like when Dan was talking about Capone and that energy, I'm like, oh, yeah, every time I go to the Green Mill, which was like Capone's old old spot I was like can I sit on his booth like I want to have my drinks here it's like his old jazz club and I love all those like historical venues in Chicago and I really enjoy them um so yeah I mean the city has character and and I like that like I love to live in very distinctive places um so I do think there's a soul here but it is harsh <laughs> um and in a lot of ways so yeah it's definitely a love-hate relationship there you go. And uh, a couple other questions. One thing in your video, Scarlett, and I certainly, I agree with a lot of what you said. I can apply to also the neo-Gnostic community, the other ones. For example, you talked about the need to stay out of politics, and I agree with that 100%. Vance and I work very hard to make sure that politics doesn't get to the show, doesn't uh -huh. get to some of the groups like Facebook groups we run. This is that's just statecraft and it's just it's temporal. We're trying to work on things that are eternal and are timeless. Right. Who the nominee is and what the latest uh, media outrage, you know, taking us by the carrot over here. And uh, yeah, like you said, it, it, it poisons the well, doesn't it? Yeah, and that was actually, that's the point where all the pitchforks are coming out right now. <laughs> yeah, let's see, see. I knew it, it was going to happen. Um, and so I've had, like, you know, experiences on the, on this for a while, just because every once in a while with my YouTube channel, I would, like, bring up something political, you know, in the past. And it was like, you know, I was getting hate on both sides. I'm either not progressive enough or too progressive or whatever. So it's, it's kind of like you can't win. And then at a certain point, I realized that, you know, we can't really connect as a community if we keep on tearing each other down. And I've always been interested in the fact that when it comes to my social media presence, whether that's on Instagram or YouTube, the hate that I was expecting to get or the trolling, um, when I started all this kind of stuff, well, I'm like, oh, yeah, like the Christians will, you know, throw me Bible verses, you know, all that stuff. And like, you know, That's I was what ready for that. That's what they're supposed to do. Yeah, they're just doing and I, they're to do. I still get that, you know, like from time to time. But in reality, what I do get is hate from other pagans. And I'm like, we're supposed to be like, you know, love the planet, love each other, you know, <laughs> kind of people. So um, I think at least for, for me and my channel, um, even though I know it's, 
in a way, it's impossible to live without politics. And I've definitely gotten called out for, you know, my own privilege and saying I don't want to bring politics into my channel. Um, but at the same time, I just, I don't want that for my particular space. I don't really think that it's going to be conducive to building a community um, for me. And it's definitely not good for my mental health because, you know, getting all of that from both sides. So I'd rather just kind of keep paganism, at least for me, um, as something that's more spiritual. And like you said, not really in temporal. <laughs> I want to personally connect with something a bit longer lasting and more, um, more higher, I guess right. you could say. Yeah, but yeah, no. yeah. It's, it's yeah. tough. I'm getting a lot of hate from it, but like I'm used to it by now, so it doesn't bother me too much. Yeah, and uh, speaking more or less, this kind of ties into politics. I liked your other point. Back when I was sort of, I think, I don't even want to talk what I am today, but when I was interested in the Libertarian Party, the problem, one of the problems with the Libertarian Party is because it's so open-minded, it was just an excuse for a lot of people who wanted to get stoned and meet chicks and get wild to show up at these political events. And uh, again, Libertarians are about right, so you can do it, but it was kind of a pain in the butt. And you say, isn't that what these pagan things are? People think it's just about free love and let's just let it all hang out instead of you know, having an experience, making a community? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely something that um, I've run into, too. And, and part of that might just be being like a, a young girl at these events, because I'm always getting people who, you know, approach me or like bringing inappropriate things into the conversation or making assumptions about my own personal life. Um, and there's a, I think there's a tough, it's a tough thing because on the one hand, pagans tend to be very sex positive, And I think that's great. Um, but at the same time, traditionally, in pagan events, there's been like, a lot of kind of inappropriate activity that's taken place, um, that was non consensual. So um, here now, I feel very uncomfortable when like, people are like bringing that stuff, like, you know, when it's completely out of context. Um, up to me. And that was something I talked about a little while ago. And that's one of the reasons I think that so many young girls um, reach out to me through social media. And they're like, I would love to go to events. But the one time I went to an event, there was like this person who said something, and it just made me feel uncomfortable. So then they just shut down and don't bother connecting and just do the YouTube, you know, internet, you know, connecting. And um, I was almost that person. Like I almost didn't want to attend events anymore because there was always a couple of people who were there for the wrong reasons. Um, and I much have a much thicker skin now. So like, it doesn't really bother me, but it's a tough sell because on the one hand, I want everyone to be positive with that aspect of themselves. And like, yes, there is like a, um, a spiritual component to our own sexuality and that's great too. But I don't think it's appropriate at certain wide ranging like events that are open to the public. You know, I would love to take family to events sometimes or friends and like, you know, and, and, you know, it's kind of tough, you know, so I, it's hard to like, it's hard to kind of explain. Um, but it, I think that it's really a negative thing for our community when so many young girls um, have an issue and then they just kind of don't bother in the future. And I'd love to, you know, encourage others and all this huge community that's forming to attend uh, events in person. So 
yeah, it's, it's tough from time to time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you said, you want to take your younger sister, and there's a guy dressed like the Gimp from uh, Pulp Fiction next to you. So, and every time I go to an event, there's at least one Gimp person, and I'm like, really? <laughs> and Stay I'm like, I'm all box. for that, but like, keep it, you know, maybe not at the public event. <laughs> right, right. What about you, Dana? I see you kind of hiding your gimp costume under the couch as we were talking about this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> busted. No, <laughs> no what, what's your view on, on this? Or do you think politics should stay out of paganism? I know you guys do a great job of keeping politics out of your podcast, and that, that's one of the many reasons I enjoy listening to it. Uh, what are your views? <sighs> hmm. Well, so I can... T- I'm of the opinion that um, over the past few years, politics has ruined all communities. (laughs) Like, you know, it's sort of like it infects a community and turns people against each other. It's like the tower. It's like a tower of Babel, isn't it? Everything falls apart and everybody's at each other's throats. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you know, in my, I, I can speak more rather than the pagan community I've experienced, you know, in sort of the arts community um, in Chicago, and that is a highly, highly politicized group of people, especially like right after the last election. Um, But I feel like by now that as we enter 2020, even though it's another election year, like so many people are just burnt out on it. Like everybody reaches a burnout point where you can't just be so offended by everything because it's exhausting to be offended by everything and that's coming from me who i actually was sort of offended by quote-unquote bigotry you know and um my thing now is especially when we like book people for the show i love testing how um how (laughs) i can actually embrace people on both sides of the aisle i guess um because you know like i've I've listened to even like semi-political podcasts that are like conservative and like really really liberal and you know there's days where i wake up and i'm like the most annoying person in the world is this right-wing person and then there's days where i'm like the most annoying person in the world is this like leftist person and i like finding common ground between everybody and sort of like playing both for both teams. And that's how I've always been anyways. And that's how so many people are, but I like testing myself. Like how can I find common ground with this extreme right winger or this extreme left winger? And I, I don't really like engaging like with real extremists, but thoughtful people that when you look at them and you have to put them in a box, they're definitely on the right or definitely on the left. It's like, is it, I like testing myself to be like, can I um, vibe with, with both? (laughs) Yeah. Good deal. And uh, yeah, another question I have, but before I get that, somebody was asking in the chat room, who are the guests? We got Dan and Scarlett. They are the hosts of the cosmic keys podcast. If you have a question, Put it on the chat. Uh, put some question marks. We have a and, few. Uh, well, yes. Well, Vance, uh, do you have a question or comment, or what does the audience have to say? Do they have their pitchforks out? Uh, yeah. Like uh, as soon as you started talking about politics, oh. <laughs> start heating up. up a little bit. But I have something about to say about politics, and I'll tell you what the questions are. 
I invented, and this is an example of how I think about it, I invented a three-dimensional system to uh, describe political positions, which is left, right, up, down, and back and forward. And if you map people on that system, and left is like, Mom, I want to take care of you, you know, every <laughs> And right is like dad is like, you know, the traditional mom and dad, right? And the dad, dad is like, you know, stand up on your own, you know, be self-sufficient, da, 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 be tough, you know, stand up against the world. And then up is um, li true liberty. I mean, in other words, freedom. Down is slavery. And then forward is progress to the future. And backwards is, uh, sorry, hey, backwards. <laughs> backwards is... Uh, it backwards is we want to go back. It was better in the past. We want to go back in the past. And so without expanding and taking too much time on it, you can see that some people are right down, right? They're like right wing radicals and they want to make everybody like them. And there's a left wing version of that. And then there's the left wing ups, right? Who are for freedom. And then those are the true quote unquote liberals, you know, uh, libertarians probably uh, fit in there somewhere. But anyway, you get the idea. And there's uh, the, so the problem is everybody's talking in like these little boxes, but they don't think outside the box mm -hmm. literally and see the good and bad points on both sides. So that's what, you know, I know you and I try to do. And and, and that kind of solves all the polarity, you know. So that's my comment about the politics. Good deal. Good deal. Hopefully they'll you know, come after you with pitchforks and not uh, <laughs> Garley Dan they, or I. What's the pitchfork? You know, if they are, they're the down ones on either uh -huh. left, right, right. Uh, but anyway, we got some questions. Sure. Um, um, they, this is an easy one. Uh, could we generalize that paganism is generally animistic? Are pagans generally animistic, do you think? And uh, Dan or Scarlet, whoever wants to take it. Yeah. 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 I, I think both. that's a good, good starting point. Um, I think animism is a component to most pagan religions out there. And it's kind of where we all started. It's like all religions started with animism, kind of. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I think that's, that's one way to define it for sure. I agree too. Animism is a really um, f fun category to put everything into. And, um, just to th just to the concept that everything is alive and um, it makes it makes the world feel like more enchanted and less dead. <laughs> Good deal. And any a, any other questions? Another one was yeah. Another one was uh, who believes in Solomon Goetia demons? Whoa. I believe in them. I don't hang out with them or mess with them. <laughs> Don't have a beer with him or anything? <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I I believe that there are some kind of, you know, maybe demon forces or darker forces. I don't know if like those specifically, but I think there are these like negative forces <laughs> in the world that I haven't decided yet if um if they're named or not. But but yeah, I'm kind of with Dan on there. And I don't tend to like go down that path. Because you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, could it be archons? <laughs> <laughs> Satan? <laughs> Devil's going to get you. Any other questions, Vance? Yeah, we just got one. Um, okay. Let's see. The question's not all the way there yet. Okay, Toth, let's get the uh, rest of the question in there. Um, elementals. <clears throat> Have you guys worked with elementals? What are your thoughts about that? 
Well, in Wicca, we kind of have our own kind of version of that. Um, or I don't really define myself as Wiccan now, but um, kind of the, they use it as like the traditional for like, you know, directions and for elements and kind of connecting with those. Um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely do work with those elementals. What about you, Dan? Yeah. Um, elemental, like what comes to mind actually it was in that book that I referenced Manly P Hall's the secret teaching of all ages. And, um, I think what the question was asking about is like, um, the elemental spirits or creatures. So like air is like silks and water. Yeah. Yeah. Undines and, um, salamanders and gnomes. Mm -hmm. And, um, I kind of do believe in those things and there are, there's like reference to them in a lot of grimoires and stuff. Um, it makes me even think of like, I was an English major and my, uh, my favorite Shakespeare play was uh, the Tempest and Prospero has like an elemental, he, he just like has this like servitor elemental thing, like that does whatever he wants. So I think there is something to that. Um, and also like, with uh when i think of like elemental spirits or stuff i think they can be like very chaotic and disruptive from what i've heard um and they're kind of out it it would balancing the four elements out in the universe on their own and when humans try to control them or um enslave them or whatever i i've heard that it can lead to problems so i i find it all interesting though and I've even heard that um, air elementals can get rid of chemtrails. <laughs> All right. We're paganism meets conspiracy theories. Uh, it had to happen. Very cool. Yeah, there's a question I'm seeing from uh, Joseph Correa. And he's yeah. asking for Scarlett. Uh, do you consider Wicca a true traditional pre-Christian religion? Um, no, so I don't think Wicca is a pre-Christian religion. I think it was inspired <laughs> by pre-Christian religions, um, but no, it it was kind of created by Gerald Gardner in the 50s. Um, so there's kind of like two factions, at least when it comes to paganism, where you have like pagan reconstructionists and neo-pagans. So um, I kind of definitely started as a neo-pagan and as a Wiccan. And then over time, I've kind of, I still do like certain aspects about Wicca. Like I do celebrate the eight Sabbaths, the eight holidays in Wicca, but I personally find myself moving more towards pagan reconstructionism. So how can I take actual, you know, things from um, pre-Christian societies and bring them into the modern age? So um, yeah, so, so there's kind of, multiple you know groups within the pagan umbrella some of them are more new some of them are i mean none of them are ever going to purely be the old religions because we just don't have as much information as i wish we did and there was no continuous line um certain things are continuous the archetypes the symbols the ideas the energy maybe that is a continuous line but for the most part, you know, you're going to find different pagans all kind of connecting either with the more neo-pagan or pagan reconstructionism or somewhere in between. 
Wonderful. And uh, Vance, I saw you flash the Greek Orthodox priest. I know you're secretly oh, working for Jay Dyer. So you've been, <laughs> your cover has been blown, my friend. Oh, uh, man. I knew it happened someday. My wife is so proud if you're Greek Orthodox. But anyway. Um, Speaking of that, one of the witchiest shops in Chicago is uh, the Athenian Candle Company in Greek Town. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, they have, it's like very Greek Orthodox, tons of cool Christian icons and stuff, but then they do have like the floor wash, like unhexing. They have, it's like a, it's like a little botanica, but it is technically a, a Greek Orthodox place. Yeah. Every time I go in there, they're like, do you want a blessing? And then they start like pouring powders on my hands. <laughs> like, and I'm like, yes, give me your blessing. And they sell like, you know, obviously like the traditional like Christian candles, but then they do have all the Greek deities there too. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. They got like a good, good mix. That's a fun, fun shop. Wow. I gotta yeah. check it out. Yeah. I'm Italian paradox. That's my religion. <laughs> <laughs> you invented Christianity, but, um, yeah, what was I going to say? Um, Here's a bit you were talking about the gods and all that. And I guess let me start with Scarlet. And this is a hard question. I don't think there's a wrong answer because mm -hmm. my views change. I know we live in a culture where if you say something in Twitter three years ago, God forbid you change. Hey, little cat. <laughs> I hope my dog doesn't see it. But um, yes, you're not allowed to evolve your views. But one thing, I, I used to have these long uh, Skype conversations with Sorita Deste, and it's something she used to bring up on her uh, Facebook uh, page. She would say, the gods, she'd get very annoyed, she'd say, the gods are not archetypes, and they're not in your head. They are, have, they're ontological. They are separate. They are entities. What, uh, if I ask you this, Scarlett, what would you say about who are the gods? Yeah, and I've kind of also vacillated on this. So then on top of the whole neo-pagan and pagan reconstructionism, you have what's called hard polytheists and soft polytheists. Hard polytheists are the ones that think that, you know, each pagan deity is its own figure. Soft polytheists might think that they might be more like energies or archetypes or just like a, an easier way for us to connect with the divine. Um, and I personally have vacillated back and forth on that. <laughs> so um, I'm not sure yet. Um, sometimes I really do connect with the individual, certain individual pagan deities, and I do kind of see them as individuals. And then sometimes I kind of see it more from like, this is the easiest way for me to connect with the divine source. Um, so yeah, it's a tough question. And um there's a, a spectrum there. Um, and I have times when I'm a hard polytheist and times when I'm a soft polytheist and I haven't figured that out yet. So hopefully I'll be more secure in my understanding <laughs> in a few more years, or maybe I never will be, who knows? <laughs> no. And I mean, the truth is the, the Roman who the Roman and the Greeks who were, you might say educated. They really thought that all the gods were the aspect of one God, one supreme intelligence. So it's not like things have changed that much for a lot of groups especially if you're a non-dualist and what about you dan what are your views on the gods well, how do you say with a real chicago accent the gods the gods, gods. <laughs> well the gods <laughs> um that's a, that's a really hard thing for me to answer i think um 
Well, it gets me thinking that, you know, okay, when you, if you treat the gods as the seven traditional planets, um, which are associated with like the seven traditional seven days of the week, the number seven, um, it's like, okay, who decided that these seven planets or gods or days of the week or archetypes uh, were these seven individual separate things? Well, probably like the Babylonians or the Sumerians, and then it turned into maybe the Egyptians and then the Greeks and then the Romans. And then in like the Middle Ages, they could be like the considered seven archangels. So it's like, okay, if if they're interchangeable, is it just um, sort of raw material that just chooses a different mask as it as the human condition changes? Like I I th- I think it all it all to me has sort of like a uh it's like the structure of the the gods are the structure of the universe sort of like the zodiac the 12 signs of the zodiac the number is related to you know the wheel of the year and the number 12 and the and the way that um like it's it's like a sacred geometry thing to me so in like the way in which um gods come through and express themselves i think can change and stuff as to whether or not they're like separate from us it's such a a deep and heady question because it, it makes you beg the question like if everything is one you know if 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 god in like sort of like a kabbalistic perspective is just like this monad at the top and everything emanates down and by the time you get to the bottom we're individual egos, but we're all sort of connected. Uh, it, it, it's like either either everything is interconnected and everything is one or everything is fragmented. And then, yes, they are separated. But I think in the experiencing them, it can definitely feel external, you know, like I, I, I think you can have legit exper- experiences where it is this other this other that's like affecting you or separate from you but i feel like i answered that question horribly but it's, no, it's like no, it's no, all no, it's like everything is everything yeah i mean no, as, as jeff kripal and others have said or gary like i mean we haven't developed a language to understand the complexity of the gods so we're kind of all of us are going from psychology to spirituality to but we're getting there. I think we're getting closer, and that's what matters. We're far better than we were in the past. What about you, Vince? Do you think the gods are separate, or are they all aspects of Scott Smith? Well, <laughs> and Hillary. And Hillary, yes. <laughs> yeah, Scott and I always uh, banter about Hillary. But um, uh, it's, you know, one thing that um, I always conceive of is that there's something in back the monad. Like if you talk about it, it sounds like I always think of a, a big ball, right? And everything comes out of it. But I think that's wrong. Existence itself is all pervasive and it contains anything that can possibly be and is indescribable. And that's more of what I think of when I think of like the monad is, but it's not an object. It's, it's existence. It's, it's the background of everything. So, uh, you know, that, that's, that's what I think. As far as the gods are concerned, 
it's a matter of definition because um, on the one hand, like if we think about Zeus and, you know, Hephaestus and all these guys, we don't see them physically. So they're not people or like Jehovah was conceived of as a personal God. And I think that's kind of, if you think that through, I don't think the quote unquote gods can be like that. Because if they have powers beyond an individual human, then they're not human, then they're not people, then they, you know, they'd have their limitation of, you know, they can only see here, they can only see there, they can only hear this. They couldn't be aware of so many things. So right away you get, start spreading out, they become something different. But I do believe in entities, and I think that it's really a relationship between our consciousness and whatever's out there. And so, you know, I've experienced, you know, a few things and I know other people like um, pagans, Wiccans and so forth have had experiences of the various gods and goddesses. Um, and that's real to us, but it wouldn't be real to you, except I could tell you about it. You could believe it. You know what I'm saying? So it's a personal thing. God is always or gods are always personal relationships between us and whatever it is out there that we're interacting with. And, that's my opinion. Good answer, my friend. So, uh, yeah, and the next question I wanted to ask, and I know I'm, I'm still going down uh, this path of gods, and these are conversations I've had through the years, and again, my views uh, have changed, my views are evolving, but it's the idea of sacrifice. I know, again, you get into these neo-pagan groups, and they're talking about, well, the gods have changed as humans change. I said, okay, I'll I'll give you that as our perception changes. So will these beings, because as Van says, we are interacting with them. What I don't think has changed is the idea that souls and blood are the economy of this universe. And I see a lot of pagans think that they can get away with sacrificing good intentions or positive vibes. And I think that that's the universe is still fueled by the, the, the life force of being and uh, perhaps the death and destruction of being. So when it comes to sacrifice, uh, what are your views, Scarlett? Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely something to what you are saying. And maybe that has something to do with at the same time you've had this um, resurgence in traditional witchcraft, um, which is more comfortable with um, sacrificing some of your own blood or just like pricking your finger. You know, that's a pretty common thing in traditional witchcraft. So maybe um, that has increased because there's a reaction to how, you know, light and airy <laughs> and peaceful the new age paganism is that people are wanting to interact with something that's there's a bit higher stakes. Um, so yeah, I think there is something to what you're saying. And I think it's not so much, maybe it doesn't necessarily need to be like blood and souls, but it has to be something valuable to you. Like it has to be an actual sacrifice. Um, so yeah, just sacrificing your intentions. Um, I've done that plenty of times. I've been to many rituals where we do like intention settings and then we burn our intentions and that's a sacrifice. Um, and while that's fun, and I think it definitely can help if you're really wanting to, you know, forge a, a meaningful connection with the deity or get some serious stuff done, then, yeah, you probably have to put a little bit more effort into your sacrifice. Um, 
So I don't think we need to go all the way back to sacrificing animals in order to do that. I think there's other ways, but the sacrifice still has to be meaningful. Um, Starbucks? Does that count? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't probably know what not quite like. meaningful enough. But, you know, when you think about what um, our society, as we become more materialistic as a community, I mean, honestly, burning a $10 bill is going to be a much stronger sacrifice. Um, perhaps than even pricking your finger nowadays. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, maybe I think it just needs to be a sacrifice that that you do feel um, that that is something real. Yeah, I think I remember Acharya of all people was as much as he disliked Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, as especially Christianity and Islam. She always said that the one good thing Christianity did when it spread is it ended animal and human and child sacrifice across Europe because it was still happening. I know the Romans, they would slip with the human sacrifice, but for the most part, they hated human sacrifice. Uh, but it was going on in Carthage, Western Europe and all that. And sometimes it could get really, could, a lot of, it was pretty bloody, pretty nasty. And there you have it. The first part of our interview with Scarlett Ravenswood and Dan Shukis. We continue discussing the idea of sacrifice and other key issues for modern paganism, including the right way to use magic, if there is such a thing. The controversy doesn't let up. As mentioned in the intro, and as a bonus for AB Prime members and patrons at Patreon, I will include an interview with Mark Townsend, author of The Gospel of Falling Down. Mark was once an Anglican priest who was driven away by the church for embracing a pagan nature, eventually finding grace with old gods and adopting a fusion of Christianity and paganism. I think you'll see how it relates to this AB Live episode, and it's a very inspirational story to boot. Including the audio version, this is a cool listen if you leverage the private RSS feeds from AB Prime or Patreon that works in the podcast provider of your choice. So please become a member of Patreon and support this Red Bill Cafeteria. Go to, you got it, the God above God dead came for means to assist and get the infernal rewards. Or just contact me. I can't do it without you. And if you've got holes in your pockets due to the monkey shines of Archons, just message me and I'll give you any show, including this one, full on the nature loving house. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true pagan or whatever self. Hello and goodbye as always. <laughs>